Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Nation podcast. I am thrilled to be here today with Miko Marquette Whitlock. Thank you so much for being here, Miko. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the conversation and uh, looking forward to how this might be received by the folks that are listening. So, Yes. Oh, it's such a needed <laughs> topic, not only for me, but for my listeners So what I want to do is, you know, let's begin with your story. I always tell people never to say things like, let's begin with your story because it's very (laughs) loaded and you don't know where to start. But I would like for you to talk about how you got involved in the work of mindfulness around technology. Specifically, maybe you could talk about a little anecdote that you wrote on your website where you were really burned out. You changed your entire life. You took a month-long work and email-free sabbatical to Brazil. And I think we're all going to be jealous of your story, but tell us how you got started. Yeah. So I have worked in the public sector and the nonprofit sector most of my professional career. And in my last role, prior to doing the work that I do right now, I was communications director for a large international association focused on ending HIV and hepatitis. And for many folks that work in the change-making space, you know what it means to have an outsized mission but often you don't have the people power or the, the money power and all the other things that actually align with the outsized mission that you have. And so actually, when I started this, at this organization, I was the first full-time hire for communications. And one of the things I was tasked with was actually staffing up and putting in place the processes for the organization for internal and external communications. So as you can imagine, folks that are listening to this, you know, that, that's a huge set of shoes to fill in, to to fill and to to step into, notwithstanding the mission of the organization on its own, right? And so I I did that. I was with the organization for about four and a half years. And maybe about midway through that, I started to essentially feel run down. And I started to, you know, for lack of a better word, hit a brick wall. And I was up against a potentially really challenging health crisis And that was the start of a a wake-up call of sorts where I realized that this wasn't working. And the disconnect was that I enjoyed the work that I was doing. I enjoyed the people and I enjoyed the impact that I was having, but there was some disconnect between how I felt like I was able to to show up. And that started a a series of sort of introspective conversations where I I realized in the words of Wayne Dyer that I didn't want to die, but I'm using inside of me, I didn't want to drop dead literally from overwork and have my legacy be that I was really good at, you know, checking emails or managing projects. And when I had that realization, one of the things I realized is that I had disconnected 
my personal spiritual and mindfulness-based work that I have been doing essentially most of my life, since at least since I was a teenager. I've been always really big on self-development, personal development, spirituality. And I realized that I had disconnected that and felt like I needed to be a different person when I showed up at work. And when I had this realization about you know dropping dead from overwork, I realized that I had to do something to, to reconnect with that. And that started a conversation about what's my sphere of influence in the organization in terms of changing and transforming culture. At that time, I was managing a team and I realized that I can start with that. I can change the culture of the organization overnight, but I can start with the team. I have lots of flexibility in terms of how I'm managing that. And we began to have really frank and open conversations about wellness and well-being and balance and how folks were coping and managing, especially during the more stressful times of the year in our work. I talked about my practices, including mindfulness and meditation, but I really encourage folks to think about what worked for them. Like It didn't have to be a mindfulness practice or a spiritually-based practice. And so we started to integrate this into our meetings, and folks share things like, cooking recipes because like they like to cook. One person was a photographer and we did a, a really interesting exercise with light in the dark with their camera exercise. Another person was really big on music. And so we talked about what was happening and you know what, what was the latest thing they're listening to and how they use music to help them you know sustain and regain balance when they're off balance. And this was a time where I realized I had all this built up leave time, which lots of us can probably relate to who's, who are listening to this. And I wasn't using it. And so, you know, it's, it was customary for folks that were going on, you know, maternity leave or paternity leave to take like these huge, you know, chunks of time. And I was like, well, if they can do that and, you know, there's nothing wrong, I should be able to do the same thing. And so I had a conversation with my supervisor said like, hey, like, I, I'm not having a kid, like I'm not sick, but I, I don't want to be sick. So can I, can I take this time off? Yeah, why off? should you have to be sick? Exactly. To take time off. Exactly. Exactly. And so... I got a lot of support. And uh, once I got the support, I actually went, I started the planning process, what that would actually look like, um, negotiating with other teams for coverage, figuring out if we need temporary folks, um, really assessing when across the organizations is like, say, okay, like this is the gap of time that I'm going to be away. What are you anticipating that you actually need? And I worked backwards from there to put a plan in place for, for all of those folks to make sure that their needs were covered so that I could literally go and spend time away and not have to check my email. That was the thing. Like, I'm not checking email. Like, this is going to be a real sort of unplugging, a real vacation. So, like, I need you to take this seriously and let me know what you need so that I can help support you and get you ready because I will not be responding to to emails or looking at emails while I'm away. (laughs) Wow. So you're good at delegation then. Would you say that's a big tip in trying to to create this create work-life balance and try to unchain yourself from yeah, email so and social of, media as a leader? Absolutely. So being able to delegate, but part of this delegation piece is being able to say no to things mm. and being able to recognize that you don't have to do all the things. I think mm. particularly in the mm. private space, we feel like we have to do all the things. We have to do all the things right now. Yes. Some things you can just say no or not right now, right? I have this mantra that you can do it all and have it all, just not at the same time. So what's really important right now, based on the time, the energy and resources that you actually have, and can we come back to the other things? Can we delegate those other things? Or is that other thing actually really as important as you think it is? Is this the work that you do with organizations? You go in and you you really try to help them create a structure 
for this yeah. kind of balance. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So the way I describe it is I, I work with change-making organizations and change-makers to do great work better. And my focus, my expertise is really on helping folks to address challenges connected to work-life and tech-life balance. So what you just described in terms of mm-hmm. how I work with organizations is really spot on. I do that through training, through coaching, uh, and through consulting work. And so for many of the folks that I work with, generally the, the introductory point is they want me to come in and, and give a talk to their team or do a workshop with their team. That's generally the starting point. And then from there, you know, if an organization is interested in diving deeper, you know, we can do more in-depth training over a period of time, coaching, be it individual or small groups. And in some cases, I do custom consulting projects. You know, I work with the client, for example, where they wanted me to come in and do a series of self-paced mindfulness videos for their fundraising clients. This is a a fundraising, a nonprofit um, fundraising software company that wanted me to to do this. They've actually plugged the videos into their CRM Mm. so that the fundraising folks that are using the CRM actually have access to these resources. So what do you feel like the number one obstacle is? Like, what do people most often get wrong when trying to find or maintain work-life balance? I think the biggest thing is, so we're, we're using the word balance and that's an accessible word. So I use balance because that's the word that people know. But really, when we think about this, when we talk about balance, we have to recognize that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to this, that what looks like balance for you is going to be different for what it looks like for someone else. So we take mm-hmm. work-life balance, for example. Many of us are accustomed to the, the, the traditional nine-to-five model, the 40 to 50 hours a week. That works really well for some people, but it doesn't work well for everyone. So recognizing that there are differences in terms of what that balance looks like and that it's okay if it looks different. Tied to this is our work and our lives move in seasons. And so what might be balanced for you in this season of your life might be different for you in yes. another season, right? Oh my so, gosh, so good, yes. Right, so work might be different for you. Maybe you're, if you're fundraiser, for example, end of the year is like a different type of season for you, right? Um, maybe you have a life event change, right? Maybe you have a kid, maybe you get married, maybe you're taking care of an older relative or friend. Balance is going to look different for you depending on where you are in that season in your life. and. Mm-hmm. The final point I want to make on this point is that because it's an ongoing process, it's not a one-time flip of the switch. And so we have to be constantly engaged in asking ourselves, you know, what's important to me right now? What season of my life and my work am I in? And in this moment, how do I align my time, my energy, and my resources in a way that's going to help me to find the balance that I need right now in this moment? I love that you said that because I am so skeptical of the term work-life balance. (laughs) Um, I was reading a lot of your website and your blog, and I love what you said about seasons. And I love that you use the term work-life balance because that's what people are searching on. That's the term people know. But I always feel like if I'm slaying in one area of my life, I can't be slaying in all areas. You know, I can't yeah. be an amazing friend, an incredible wife, a wonderful child to my parents <laughs> and a mom and, you know, working. I can't be firing on all cylinders. But like you said, the seasons. So during COVID, you know, I, I was home with the kids. My husband and I were home doing remote learning and it was just a very different season than we had planned for. Yes. Now they're getting, you know, a little bit older and more responsible for themselves. And I can potentially 
work more in the evening or work more in the morning. So I think it's so important what you said. And what happens, I think I see a lot, especially with women, um, this does happen with men too, but when we become mothers or when something happens that throws our work balance off, when life intervenes, we feel like we're failures. We feel like we can't, you know, why can't we manage it all? Why can't we have all the plates lined up perfectly? Or I'm terrible with metaphors. Yeah. I I don't know all the, (laughs) I don't know what line, something lined up perfectly, all the plates in the air. I don't know, (laughs) but you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you see that in your work. Yeah. I've actually posted, I posted about this recently on on social media, you know, this idea, I I posted a a snapshot of a Twitter conversation, someone who was expressing the same thing about, you know, everyone else seems to be able to do all of this and work 40 hours and take care of themselves and take care of the kids. Like what's wrong with me? It's like, well, first of all, there's nothing deficient with you. You have to recognize that the, this idea of the 40 hour work week and being able to do it all is based on the idea that you have someone or someone's at home Mm -hmm. that are working full time to take care of the home or to take care of the family. Right. Not all 1950s dads over here. Exactly. So I think we have to recognize that and extend to ourselves and to others a bit of grace, recognizing the dynamic in which we are operating in. The other part of it is in terms of the planning process, you know, I have a an intention planner that is yes. actually, Oh, I love planners. Yeah. So it's not available though. I looked at it on your website. It's, well, it's, be available it's available in May. For pre-order. Yes. Okay, pre-order. Good. Yes, it's available for, for, for pre-order. So uh, what happens is I work with a local printer to get these printed. So it's not like print on demand. Uh, so I put a lot of care and time into to this product. So it's not like a Amazon print on demand. Like I actually mm-hmm. work with a local designer and work with a local printer to actually do it. And so I do print runs. And so like once the print runs are run out, then, you know, we have to restock and get more. So, uh, but folks, and definitely if they're interested, go to the website and pre-order if they're interested in that. But to your point about being able to be at your best in all these different areas of your life, I work with clients around really looking at this like at a a quarterly basis or a 90-day basis. Mm -hmm. You know, what are going to be your top two personal things you're going to focus on that you're really going to be nailing? What are going to be the the top two things you're going to be focusing on professionally? And what are the things that are going to perhaps be in the background are going to have to wait until the next period, right? And so in other words, if you think about this in terms of the 80-20 rule, what am I going to give 80% of my time my energy, my resources to in this quarter. And we recognize that some things like you can't just sort of let let go completely, but what can you give less of your time so that you can, in this season of your life, you know, if you're in a peak fundraising season, focus on giving your best to that, for example, or you're in a transition period where you're a new parent, you know, what needs to fade to the background a little bit so that you can focus on for those first few months, at least if you're, you know, planning to go back to work at some point, be available for your family, mm-hmm. you know, figure out the daycare and childcare issue. And then, you know, things sort of shift as you move into the to the next season. So that's sort of an, a concrete example of what I mean in terms of the constant rebalancing and realigning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the planner mm-hmm. is just a, a tool I put together to help people to actually do that. It's actually, it's interesting. So that I created it initially for myself. <laughs> I wasn't yes, because there's no good. I mean, there's tons of planners out there, but yeah. I loved, loved your planner. What I saw on the website because 
I love the time blocking the hours, which is something I do, but then it was really, it wasn't as intimidating as something like the full focus planner, which I've tried, or it wasn't as simple as other planners. So I'm really, I'm a planner junkie. I love digital, but I love paper planners. So I'm really excited to try it. But I did want to ask you, so you came up with it because there was just nothing out there that you, that spoke to you. There's nothing out there that spoke to me. There was nothing that really integrated the sort of the intentional focus um, to it. And to your point about like either being too complicated or not having enough structure. And so I use one of these print on demand services. um, It wasn't Amazon, one of the, one of their competitors. And I just printed one copy. (laughs) I like, I designed it myself in camp. I'm not really a good designer, but I just sort of like, I sketched it out. And then I just sort of did what I could in, in Canva and, you know, had it printed and I was having an interview similar to this when I first started about four years ago. And I was, they were asking me about my, my morning routine. And I was talking about the planner and I was showing it. It's like, oh, so like, when is this going to be available for folks? It's like, oh, okay. It hadn't dawned on me that I sh- other people, that other people are looking it. for this and that I should sell this. <laughs> hey there, I'm interrupting this episode to share an absolutely free training that I created that's getting nonprofits of all sizes, big results. Sure. You've been spending hours on social media, but what can you actually show for it? With all this posting and Instagramming and TikToking, does it really translate into action? In my free training, I'll show you exactly how to take people from passive fans to passionate supporters, and I'll give you specific steps to create social media content that actually converts. Head on over to nonprofitsthatconvert.com. Again, that's nonprofitsthatconvert.com and start building a thriving social media community for your nonprofit right now without a big team, lots of tech overwhelm, or getting stuck on the question, what do I do next? Let me show you how it's done. I can't wait to see what you create. I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about social media. So I am a social media consultant. I advise on it all the time. I know that you have some very strict boundaries around social media. When I was asking for your handles, you said that I see, you said that you're on a break from Twitter and Facebook. So what I wanted to ask you is really why the break and then how can other people get that courage to make the break if they want. All right. So I, so I know you're a social media consultant, so I don't want you to yell at me about this. No, no, (laughs) trust me. I don't, I do not scroll. I don't, I only use it for professional purposes. I'm not a big fan, but yeah, let's talk about social media. Let's get real on, on boundaries. Here's the thing. So I recognize, so particularly when I started my, my business, I recognize that, you know, essentially as a solopreneur, I have only so much time, energy, and resources that I can give to things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the conventional wisdom is like, oh, well, you should be on all the platforms because that's what everyone is doing, right? Mm-hmm. So like Oprah's here and like mm-hmm. this person's there and this person's there. And then you're like, oh, well, I should be doing that too. I should be doing all these things too. It's like, well, that's not really realistic if mm-hmm. you're trying to do the things and do those things well, right? And so I had to have a conversation about putting into practice what it is that I'm actually preaching, right? And to, mm-hmm. to ask myself, okay, what are my core priorities? You know, how much time and energy and effort do I have to give to these things, right? And when I had that conversation with myself, I realized that as much as it might make sense for me to be on Twitter and to be on Facebook, 
The fact of the matter is I only have the time and energy to really manage one or two platforms really well with my current structure. And so what are going to be those two platforms that make the most sense, right? So that's part of the conversation that I have with myself. The other part of it is like, which platforms actually connect with how I like to communicate? Mm-hmm. Right? This is hugely important. Which ones do you like? Yeah. I find Facebook to be like, Facebook is wonderful, but I, Facebook just has too much going on for me. Right. Yep. Twitter is an ongoing, I feel like Twitter is like an ongoing real time text message chain. Yes. And I just don't have the bandwidth to be like, like I want to post and leave. Like I don't want to be there and like yes. try to keep the conversation going. Right. And so for that reason, LinkedIn and Instagram work better for me right now in this season in my life and, and, and in my business. And so I made a decision that it's okay if I'm missing out on what's on Facebook and what's on Twitter. I can put an away message up, which I've, which is I've done. So if you go to my Facebook page, personally and professionally, and also on Twitter, you'll see that I'm away and I give you directions on how to connect with me if you still want to connect with me, right? I love that. And what that means is I can embrace the joy of missing out Jomo as opposed mm-hmm. to being in this state oh, of fear, Jomo. the fear of missing out. And so part of that is having the courage to, to be able to be okay with missing out. Um, but if you have this anxiety, just give people permission to reach out to you on the platform that makes the most sense for you. And the other thing that you said that makes a lot of sense is when people look at social media and they say, oh, how are you doing everything? How are you everywhere? How are you managing it? They don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes. People don't necessarily put their messy stuff out on social media. So I think it's very brave to be able to do that. And it's inspiring. I know that for me, there are constantly calls from friends and colleagues. Get on Snapchat because I like Snapchat. Or Clubhouse. Get on Marco Polo (laughs) because I like Marco Polo. Get on Clubhouse because I like Clubhouse. And I have to say... Well, I have such limited bandwidth that I am not going to be monitoring, like at the end of the day, 20 apps a day and email and everything else. So I love that you're putting boundaries around it, but I also love how you framed it where this is what I tell my clients. If you hate Twitter and it's a pain waking up every single day, unless you are a news organization, Mm -hmm. you don't need, if you're a little local library, a little local animal shelter, you can probably take a pause. It's probably okay. And you can focus on another channel that you enjoy most that aligns with your goals and your audience and your communication styles. So I love that you give us permission to do that. All right. So I wanted to also ask you about your upcoming book, Intention Deficit Disorder. Is that coming out in the fall? That's the plan. That might not be the final title, but that's what I'm working with. Title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the idea is really just to take everything that I have um, learned through my journey, through my experience and the framework and to actually just put it into one place where it's going to be accessible for folks. I know folks have probably read or are familiar with, you know, the the Tim Ferriss, like the four-hour work week, and they've read the Stephen Covey things. And similar to the planner, I just want to create something that builds in a bit more intentionality that's not as intimidating, something that's really actionable that people can begin to put into action right away. And something that's really really tailored for 
change makers. A lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that's out there for is entrepreneurs. for folks that are interested in making goo gobs of money. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with making goo gobs of money. But I, I want to balance that with the, the doing good and having a good impact, right? I think that is the, the piece that I want to infuse. And then, of course, the mindfulness and the intentionality piece as well. I love that. All right. So just to wrap up, we could, I mean, we could talk for hours, but (laughs) what is one simple thing that we can do today to increase our focus and productivity in the digital age? Yeah. So I think the the one thing that we can do is to slow down or to to really walk as opposed to run. And I'll, I'll explain it this way. So I learned something interesting about how EMTs and paramedics are trained to respond to crises, especially when they're on, on the scene of an accident. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but they are trained to walk as opposed to running when they arrive on a scene. And I always wondered when I saw paramedics or the ambulance pull up, like why they were sort of just taking their time, you know, getting to the person that actually needed their support. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I learned that there's a specific reason they're trained to do this. So Imagine that you're a paramedic and you're arriving at the scene of an accident and you're just sort of running from the ambulance to attend like to the home person. Like home through the airport with like yeah. things flying everywhere. Exactly. You know, you, you trip and fall, you know, you cut yourself and then you're oh, not geez. able to be fully available for the person that you are there to serve. Right. What also happens is that your cortisol levels and stress levels rise And when that happens, your ability to be fully mindful and present to everything that's happening in your environment is diminished. And what that means is if you're arriving on the scene of a car accident, you might notice the one person in front of you. But if you're running, you trip and fall, you miss the fact that there are two other people that are in critical condition on the other side of the car. And so what happens for many of us is we feel this pressure to do all the things. And we think that by rushing and hurrying up, that we're actually going to get to all the things and we're going to get through the, all of them faster. And what actually happens is we diminish our capacity to actually do that. And so if we just took a moment to slow down, to walk as opposed to run, to get clear about our intention for our day and for our week, and then we could align our use of social media. We could align what's on our calendar in a better way And in many cases, we will recognize that although you have a mile long to-do list, you recognize if you're taking just a few moments to pause, to set that clear intention, that not all of those things are as important as you thought they were. And if they are important, maybe they they don't need to be done right now, right? You're able to clearly see, oh, okay, actually, I need to focus my time and energy on getting these two things done because doing these two things is going to have a domino effect where if I do these things then it's going to help me knock over all these other dominoes by making everything else easier or either irrelevant. I love that. I never noticed that. It makes so much sense. It's almost like the analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on the plane before you put anyone else's on, because then you're able to think clearly. You're not completely freaking out. Like you said, your cortisol levels. A tip that I got that I rarely follow that you reminded me that I need to follow was from another speaker who said when she arrives to a conference, she likes to arrive a full like 15 or even half an hour early, 15 minutes early and just sit in her car and just like breathe. Cause if you show up, like you just said, 
to a meeting or a conference or, you know, and you're completely all over the place and you're disorganized or you're, you're thinking about other things and you're not fully present. It's like you said, you're going to miss something and then you're probably going to just have to make up the work later. So I love that. Thank you. Well, okay. So Miko, you have a free workbook, the seven steps to mastering the art of work-life balance in a digital world, plus a personal technology audit tool to assess when technology is getting in your way. And that can be found at mindfultechie.com. Is there any anywhere else that you want us to follow you, follow you on your journey, social media that you're actually using? <laughs> Absolutely. So you can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on, on Instagram as well at a mindful techie. And on LinkedIn, if you just search for my name, Miko Marco Whitlock, I'll pop up and you can connect with me there as well. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time. And we know time is valuable. And I just hope that everyone's going to take take your tips and roll with it and become more focused and productive. Well, awesome. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I hope it's going to be helpful for folks. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn. Thank you.